Hey, what's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Killer Crossover Podcast. It's your boy, Eman. Happy Saturday, man. It's your boy, Mo, checking in here live and direct on this fine Saturday morning. And Josh Bumass McDaniels is gone, people. Let's fucking go. It's a new day, Raider Nation. Stand the fuck up. Ding dong, that bitch is dead. And that's the topic for today. We're we going to let my boy Mo, my brother Mo, talk his talk. So stay tuned for this uh, for this exciting episode. <laughs> Let's go. I am so hyped. Let's do this. All right, Mo, I know you've been waiting for this day, man. I know you've been waiting for this day. You hopped on, you hopped on Instagram and yes, hit the stories <laughs> almost immediately. <laughs> so for those of the people who follow us uh, and listen to us, first of all, thank you. Second of all, you know what's going to happen on this episode. You got a little preview on, what was that, Tuesday, Wednesday? Uh, it was Wednesday morning, Wednesday. early Wednesday morning. On Wednesday. So, you know what? This is this is your stage right now. Go ahead and go ahead and kick it off, man. All right. Well, shit, man. Let me cook. All right. So <laughs> let's get it going. I'm 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 talking to specifically to the Raider fans that are a fan of this pod and just Raider fans in general, man. Mm-hmm. It's a new day. Uh, we have finally cut our losses. Uh, much needed firing. It needed <laughs> to happen. Uh, I've been a Raider fan since uh, I'm aging myself here, but since 19, 1995 when I was eight years old. And throughout this 20 plus year journey of me being a Raider fan, I've seen some terrible football. I've seen some highs. I've seen a lot of lows. I've seen some great football, some bad football and some worse football. Uh, I don't, I cannot remember a time where I've seen worse football than I have the past season and a half. I mean, Josh McDaniels is probably literally the worst coach that we have ever had in our entire existence of our franchise. Just, bro, the ego, the the arrogance, the 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 stubbornness. Like, it it it, it was <laughs> it, it was ugly, bro. It was ugly. Like the losses that we had specifically last year were unexcusable. I mean, I don't even have to run down the fucking list, bro, but we're talking about multiple double-digit leads. We're talking about losing to fucking Jeff fucking Saturday that was coaching (laughs) high school fucking football that was on TV, got pulled off the TV set, put the makeup brush down, was giving a fucking head to me like, you coached the Indianapolis Colts, and they beat us in Las Vegas. We lost to (laughs) Baker fucking Mayfield, who wasn't even with the team 48 hours beforehand, and he beat us. I mean, and fast forward to this year, just two weeks ago, we lose to Tyson Bajit, or whatever the fuck his name is, who was a D2 undrafted rookie fucking quarterback with his first NFL start. I mean, and that should have been the writing on the wall, but no, wait a minute, ladies and gentlemen, it gets fucking worse. (laughs) <laughs> this past Monday, this past Monday was probably an all-time low for me as a Raider fan. I have never seen such incompetent, porous football in my entire life. After that game, bro, 
I text every single Raider fan that I know, and I said, as long as number 10 is starting, and as long as Josh Dumbass is Josh McDumbass is coaching this team, I don't think I can ever watch another football game for the remaining of the season. It might that might sound dramatic, but I was dead serious because Josh McDaniels had made that fucking team unwatchable, bro. Completely unwatchable. Well, luckily <laughs> that didn't happen. So that that's not gonna happen going forward. So you can watch football this season. <laughs> <laughs> My Sundays, I just, uh, man, se- September through February, man, my Sundays, I got to have my football, man, Re- regardless of the Raiders record, man. I-, I love sports. I love the NFL. You know, I always I always tune in. You know, we diehard fans, my wife gives me shit about this all the time, but she doesn't understand the passion. You know, she doesn't understand that how emotionally invested we are with our respective teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, I- I'm loving the vibes, man. I've been paying attention to the to the interviews the past couple of days. And, you know, the locker room specifically is a lot looser uh, than what it, what it typically is. Like everybody's not walking on eggshells. People are smiling. People are laughing. People are having fun. So that right there, when the vibe in the locker room is, is right, it translates into the field, man. Uh, onto the field, I should say. Yeah. So uh, we got nine games to figure this out. Uh, by no means, uh, by no means are we going to go undefeated. I don't think we'll go zero and nine. Uh, so I definitely think there's going to be some struggles acclimating to a completely different philosophy and a. Uh, uh, a QB coach who's now our OC and Bo Hargraves who's never called plays before, so it's going to be a rough patch. But I'm just I'm, I'm 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 excited to see the boys play with joy again. You know, football is an emotional right. sport, and you have to you have to play with joy. You have to play with a childlike enthusiasm. It just can't be all about business. Like it is a business at the end of the day. But you got to have fun. And I don't think this Raider team was ever having fun under McDaniels mm. at all. And it showed uh, on the field. Um, yeah, yeah, man. So I'm, I'm excited, bro. I'm, I'm super juiced. Uh, it's Aiden O'Connell time. Let's go. <laughs> you know me, bro. I've been begging for this move for about three weeks now. Probably longer than that. A little longer, yeah. So, yeah. So we finally get to see what this kid is made of. He doesn't have to look over his shoulder. Uh, he is the unquestioned starter moving forward. So I'm really, really happy to, or really, really excited to see what this kid has. I think he's going to provide a much needed spark with our offense. I think you're going to see uh, the vertical game kind of open up. And um, yeah, let's see what he does, man. Yeah, Josh, Mc- Josh Jacobs is going to get activated, I think, too. I think you'll start to yeah. see him open up, so too. too. I hope so because I got him on my fantasy team. <laughs> no, but and you hit it on you hit it on the head. You mentioned the energy in the locker room. I think with this with this firing of uh, Josh McDaniels, it not only lifted the energy in the locker room, but it lifted the energy in Raider Nation. You could feel it around. You could feel it around the bay for the for those who are still you know who really are Raiders fans because the people who really are Raiders fans are still Raiders fans and they've been Raiders fans through that whole Josh McDaniels era where you guys are like just like 
come on. <laughs> and it's just, I think where Josh McDaniels messed up was when, basically from the start, when he tried to turn y'all into the New England Patriots. And that shit. you can't turn the Raiders into the Patriots. One, because it's a completely different culture mm-hmm. and a culture mm-hmm. where the Raiders hate the Patriots, yeah. Yeah. where Raider Nation hates like, the Patriots. That that's like on site beef, bro. Just yeah. on site. When you see somebody you don't like, you just take off on their ass on exactly. site. <laughs> so and then and then to top it off, like I mean, first and foremost, you can't turn a team into the Patriots without Tom Brady, and I mean Tom Brady on the field because you guys got Tom Brady up in the up in the uh up in the office now in mm-hmm. ownership but yeah. in terms of on the field like you can't <laughs> you, you can't mimic that like jimmy g yeah he knew he knew the system but he doesn't I couldn't have tell. the tools he I couldn't <laughs> tell <laughs> i really couldn't tell right right but he, he just doesn't have the tools that tom brady does and specifically the mind that tom brady has and then the arm to back it up it's just absolutely i and i don't know how you could have arguably the best wide receiver in the game and not be able to get him the ball bro i think out of everything that's frustrated me this past these past this past season to have i think that what you just said right there was the most frustrating thing in the world not being able to get Devonte adams the ball we have two First, people got to realize that we have two first team, uh, no, I'm sorry, not first team, first uh, all pro, first team all pro, what I'm trying to say, players on offense, and Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams. We went out and we spent a big chunk of change trying to upgrade our offense to fit mm-hmm. Josh Jacobs' vision, mind, scheme, whatever the case may be. Josh McDaniels. Yeah, uh, yeah, Josh Jacobs, I'm sorry. Josh McDaniels, yes. And just to throw little numbers out there for context, uh, we, for this season, the Raiders, when I say we, the Raiders had invested the fifth most cap space on offense at a tune of $102 million, I believe, just to not score 20 points. That was <laughs> the second most frustrating thing. The first, the fir- three most frustrating things, Jimmy Garoppolo's shitty play, the fact that we can't get Taylor Ball, I'll throw another one in there. The, the fact that we can't get JJ activated, yeah. and the fact that we have invested so much cap space into an offense that can't even score twenty fucking points. And people and, and people forget this, but as shitty as we were last year, we were twelfth in total offense. So we had no problem scoring points last year. Yeah, the Reds. The red zone execution was still porous, but overall, we were putting up points. We just, we're, our, our defense and execution was bad. And now, fast forward this year, you know, the defense is marginally better. You know, they're they're not great by any stretch of the imagination, but they you can see marginal improvement. But our offense, which was supposed to be our bed and butter, has taken four steps back with a quote-unquote offensive guru making these decisions so it was supposed a shit it. show bro yeah supposed I, I use that term loosely but yeah it was a shit show bro and um i'm i'm glad that mark davis came to his senses 
he listened to the fans and he smartened up. And he you know, that's, that's that shows growth in Mark Davis as an owner or as I, I hate using the term owner, I'll, I'll say governor. As a governor, that shows growth in Mark Davis because it, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but he doesn't usually make in season firings like that. Has uh, it happened before? I don't uh, besides the the Gruden resignation, uh, I don't think but that's I mean, happened that before. Wasn't, I mean, yeah, that it's wasn't usually like, yeah. that right. was forced, basically. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. it was but either that, you step down or you're fired type of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, that just that just shows how serious it got. And um, my boy was my boy was talking to, talking about it, and like because most teams at this point would just be like you know what we're just going to tank the rest of the season we're going to work on developing our rookie quarterback we're going to work on this this and this but my boy was talking about it he was like you got to credit mark davis like he's all about winning and you know the, the raiders aren't projected to tank they're gonna you know work with what they got um and i mean aiden o'connell has shown that one, he could at least get Devontae the ball. <laughs> and I mean he had he had some he had a pretty good uh training camp. So mm-hmm. we'll we'll and preseason. So we'll see how right. we'll see how this goes. Uh like you said, the energy in the locker room is lifted. And mm-hmm. when you have good energy, when you have positive energy in the locker room, people wanna play. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think the locker room genuinely is excited for Aiden. I -hmm. think they believe in Aiden. I secretly think that there was a preference to play Aiden over Jimmy and Hoyer. Um, That's that's just me speculating, and I'm basing that speculation off of everything I've read from different articles online to listening to different Raider Raider pods over the past couple of months. Like they, there seems to be a genuine. Like, like, uh, there seems to be genuine feeling about Aiden as a quarterback, and people are really uh, comfortable with him and, and excited to see what he can do. Uh, so, I think it was a good move. Uh, personally, I think uh, again, we're just looking for a spark offensively. We're looking for some type of juice. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a lot to ask for a rookie making a second start to. You know, revitalize an offense, but as long as they keep it simple, uh, keep it simple. Don't ask him to do too much. You know, as yeah. young quarterbacks, you want you want them to do two things. You want them to com- or you want them to do a few more than two things. You want them to <laughs> command the command the huddle, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, convert on third down. But the most important thing: make smart decisions with the football and don't turn the ball over. So if I think yeah. that he, I feel like if he can just not turn the ball over and um, make sound decisions with the football. Like really all you have to do is just give the ball to JJ, give the ball to your playmakers and let them, let, let them handle the rest. That's exactly what I was going to say is at least for the rest of the, at least for the rest of this season, Mm -hmm. you have one job, get your playmakers the ball. That's That's it. That's it. it. Because then, because then after that you'll have the whole off season and training mm-hmm. camp next year to you know work on your chemistry work on your game and right. then work on the things that you that got you to the league right and then we're so in limbo right now as a franchise 
Um, this is the perfect opportunity for Aiden to kind of step up and seize this job. Yeah. So it's it, it's essentially a, a nine game audition. And um, if he can go four and five or, you know, four and five around that, hover around that area, 500, mm-hmm. I think he has a great chance to be our starting moving forward uh, into the next year. I wouldn't necessarily put a record on it. Like, mm. if he shows, like, he knows what he's doing, even right. if you guys lose all the rest of the games, if it, as right. long as it's, like, close, as long as he's keeping right. you in games, he's making the right decisions, then I think I think he's, I think he'll prove that he can be trusted in, right. in an offense. And then you guys can, you know, pick up. You guys are obviously going to have to hire a new GM, who's gonna who's gonna bring in a new coach and right. then maybe it'll be a fit with yeah. Aiden O'Connell or maybe right. you guys end up going for mm-hmm. another rental yeah it, it's it's possible man but um, I just wanted to go back to Mark Davis uh, for yeah. a second if, if, if we can and uh, I need to hold him accountable just as accountable as our now former shitty regime and <laughs> one thing about mark davis that drives me crazy is that he is very impulsive and he's very um emotional and i don't really think that he has the football acumen to run this team the way it should be um, this is the second impulsive emotional hire that he's made um, since 2017, I mean, the John Gruden hiring was an emotional, impulsive hire. Mm-hmm. And that proved to be a disaster. And then he followed that firing up with another emotional, impulsive uh, hire. And the biggest thing is that he's hired the, la- the last former two coaches that we've had. They've both had terrible egos. And I think that's where he is running into problems. He's running into, he's running, he's falling in love with these has-been coaches. He's falling in love with their previous resume. And he's not understanding that these guys have an ego. They want to do things their way. Um, Speaking on McDaniels, uh, he wants to do, he wanted to do things his way. Uh, He was not willing to bend or break or tweak anything. And I think also thing I think that's what frustrated the players. So what Mark Davis is going to have to do, and I actually agree with this because I was listening to a Raider pod earlier this week, and one of the hosts was saying made a great suggestion. He's not a football guy. He's never been a football guy, so he should hire a football guy. He should go mm-hmm. out and personally hire a president of football operations, and he should just. Let stand back work. and let them do their work and just write the checks that's yeah. it let your president of football operations find your gm let put the gm in place let the gm personally pick the head coach and make it clear to the head coach that all personnel decisions go through the front office not you because now yeah. i'm understanding uh you know how Firings come, uh, firings come, and then all the information leaks. It turns out 
that Dave Ziegler didn't have final say on personnel decisions. It, it was it was McDaniel's who had those decisions, and Ziegler was just pretty much just carrying out Josh McDaniel's vision. So we were bamboozled on that aspect. But yeah, we cannot do the emotional hires anymore. We cannot let Mark Davis uh, make any football decisions anymore because it's costing us on the field and it's costing us financially too, bro. Like we have to pay Josh McDaniels $45 million the remainder of his contract. And not even to mention just all the bad free agent signings that we've had, like Jimmy's contract is handcuffing us. Chandler Jones, who recently got cut uh, back in September, his his uh, contract is hampering us. Uh, all these these dra- our draft picks haven't come into fruition, man. So it, it's it's cap the cap implications, man. We're gonna get in. We're gonna dig ourselves in a really dig ourselves out of a big hole, mm-hmm. and um, it, it's gonna be challenging, bro. But you know, we, we, we clean slate. You know, first and foremost, and we're just gonna roll off our sleep. We're gonna have to roll up our sleeves and get to work because we got a lot of decisions coming up in in the new year. Yeah. Um, to your point, I mean, I hope for your guys' sake, Mark Davis has learned from winning the championship in the WNBA and yeah. just hiring the right people, letting them mm-hmm. do their jobs, right. and just sitting back and being a fan. Right. I mean, as an owner, that's, I mean, as an owner, or as a governor, that's, that's pretty much what, like, you want to be. Like, yeah, you want to be in control, but then you also want to stay a fan. You're in that position because you're a fan. So, exactly. Why not, why not do what you do best and be a fan? You know, hire people to make those decisions, uh, hire people that you trust. And then again, if they show you, if they give you any reason for you to not trust them, okay, you know, you're done, you're done. I'm going to bring in someone else who knows what they're doing. Yeah, Uh, but exactly. Yeah. I mean, I just, (laughs) and it's weird for me to say this uh, about the Raiders, but I mean, the NFL and especially this this whole rival, rivalry between our fan bases is a lot more fun when both teams are competitive. I would agree. So it's it's just I would agree. So I, I I actually hope for football that you know Mark Davis does make the right decisions, puts the right people in in place, and you guys are competitive again because I want to make sure that these that this rivalry is still going yeah. strong. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and hopefully he doesn't he doesn't fall in love with the with the big name, the quote unquote sexy hire. I mean, I know right. a lot of a, a lot of Raider fans have been on a lot of Raider fans on, on social media. Excuse me, on social media, I should say, have really been uh, lobbying for uh, John Hobwell for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And for me, that is a resounding hell no for me because. I feel like John Harbaugh is another egotistical mind that wants too much control. That's power hungry. I mean, you're a Niner John fan. Or Jim. You, uh, Jim, I'm sorry, Jim. Jim John yeah. is in, in from Michigan. Yeah, 
John is yeah. in Baltimore. Jim is right. Michigan coach. I always get those yeah. two confused. Yeah. But Jim Harbaugh, uh, like I was saying, his ego and the fact that he clashed, clashes with the general manager of the front office like he did uh, in when he in was with the Niners, you know? Yeah. So I don't. I think we need to go away from that and we just need to find a young, uh, up-and-coming, bright offensive mind who can hire a really strong defensive coordinator uh, and I'm operating on the impression that we're not going to retain Patrick Graham. But yeah, if you can get an unproven, young, hungry offensive coordinator with a great offensive mind that can kind of spark this offense, I think we could be in good shape. Or or we can hire a defensive-minded coach, get a really strong offensive coordinator, and, mm-hmm. you know, keep 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 this thing rolling. But... Uh, I was going to say a couple years ago, I thought you guys were going to go for, uh, I thought you guys were going to hire either Robert Salah or Mm. D'Amico Ryan. Yeah, I wouldn't (laughs) mind that. I wouldn't mind that at all. But yeah, just the the next coaching hire, man, they got to check a few boxes, man. First and foremost, they have they have to be a leader. Uh, That that goes without saying. I think Josh McDaniels, you know. His football IQ is second to none. I, there's no doubt in my mind that uh, he doesn't have a great football mind. He does. He's not a great. He's not. He, there's no doubt in my mind that he's not a great play designer. But the leadership there is just not there. Like he just is not <clears throat> checking those boxes when it comes to leadership. So first yeah. and foremost, we need a leader. We need somebody that can command a locker room. Uh, we need obviously we need the football. I, acumen and iq piece but it's the relationships it's the it's the relationship piece that we're just not getting rich rich Basaccia had the relationship with those players they played hard for him they wanted uh him to remain the head coach and you know unfortunately mark was blinded and enamored by the patriot way took a gamble and you know he lost but this next coaching hire there has to be a leadership component there. There has to be a presence there. And there, there's going to have to be some humility. I'm tired of these ego, I'm tired of these egotistical personalities, the my way or the highway persona. Like that's not working for us. We need somebody that's going to operate with humility. Uh, we need a, honestly, for the Raiders to turn this shit around, bro, they need a Dan Campbell type. I think that's personally what the the type of coach that we need. I don't, I don't, no disrespect to Dan Campbell. I don't know him. I'm not familiar with his background too well, but he doesn't strike me as an X and O guy. He he strikes he strikes me more as the, you know, like I said, the leader, the emotional leader. Um, he's very humble. This is a this is a man that's played in the league before. Um, you know, who spent some time in the NFL as a tight end. Wasn't the most talented. Wasn't the most athletically gifted. But he worked for everything that he got. Um, and you can see that um, with his time with Detroit. Like, he's working every single day to, and letting people know that I earned this. I lie, I bleed for this. This man was tearing up uh, on Monday Night Football during his interview because he's so appreciative of the opportunity that he's, that he's been yeah. given. And you can see... The, the way the players respond to them like they love that man and they play hard for them for that man and they've taken the identity of their coach 
yeah. the personality of their coach. And that's what separates the good teams from the, the shitty teams is when they go out and they adapt to the coach's personality. That's important, especially in the National Football League. So I know you you mentioned you mentioned ego, you mentioned all that. Would you make an exception? And I don't think he's gonna leave his his current situation, but mm-hmm. would you make an exception if Primetime said, I want to coach the Raiders? Uh, <laughs> I don't think he's ready, man. <clears throat> I, I don't think he's ready, and honestly, I think Dion is Dion's personality and his mm-hmm. persona is better suited for the college game. I, I, I completely agree. Yeah, but I was. Just, I'm just saying because you know there's gonna be those people out there. They're gonna be yeah. like, oh, let's let's poach Dion. Let's poach Dion. Yeah, no, he's he's not ready for that type of responsibility. I don't yeah. think, in my person, in my and personal honest, opinion. Honestly, I don't think he'll ever coach an NFL team. I don't think. I don't, so think, I don't think he'll want to. No, I think he's like, and like you said, I think his personality is better suited for the college game. Hundred mm-hmm. um, percent. I, I think it's just you. He he needs a. It's not not that he needs more impressionable people, but then people that he can like. He needs to coach players that he can mold more. Right. So. And NFL is performance-based, uh, you know, business. Mm-hmm. And realistically, if you're not, if if you're not um, turning things around in two years, you you can be without a job. So that's another component yeah. that you need to think about too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's another component that you need to think about too. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, the Dion is definitely intriguing. Uh, but I, I think that would be a, it's a ticking time bomb. Right. Ticking time bomb. Right. Completely agree. I mean, I can sit here and, and, and talk <laughs> about this topic for hours. I don't want to bore our listeners. I mean, it's all over social media. Y'all, y'all know the timeline. Y'all know the issues. But yeah, man, I just really wanted to come in here, come on here this morning, and just talk to my bro and. Uh, sure, you know, and just give my perspective. So I, 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 I appreciate you allowing me to, to do that. No, hell yeah, man. I, I knew, I know you've been waiting for this day, man. And <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that you had the opportunity to talk your shit because yeah. <laughs> this is something that you've been hoping for for a while. <laughs> Absolutely. But real quick, real quick, changing, changing gears, completely different topic. Mm-hmm. I've never asked you this. What are your thoughts on this in-season NBA bullshit turning? And what is up with them <laughs> ugly-ass courts, bro? What the fuck? So some of the courts I don't mind um, because, and a lot of it has to do with the color schemes. But mm. I mean, pretty much all the all the courts look exactly the same. Pretty much, it's yeah. just the color. It's just the color, and then that that team's logo. The colors mm. are different, and then it's that team's logo in the in the middle. But then. Um, when I was watching when I was watching yesterday uh, I was watching the of course I was watching the Dubs against OKC crazy ending by the way <laughs> yes mm-hmm. that court kind of like kind of gave me a little bit of anxiety because <laughs> it was so it's right it's it's um, a lot going on and there, then bro like, and then same thing with uh, I think it was the the Bulls, the Bulls court, yeah, that, that was, was way too much because it was just yeah. straight up red, right? 
and I was, it reminded me of being in like a panic room and you're like mm. it's just straight up right <laughs> like the so ink like, plots and stuff yeah like, what does this image thing make you think of and, right <laughs> <laughs> but that aside <laughs> and I'll, I'll speak for, i'll speak on the the thunder and uh the thunder and warriors game i think it made that game in particular a bit more competitive than it would have been because you have a young team um pretty much all on their rookie contracts except for Shane, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. he wasn't even playing um yeah. but i mean obviously that whatever whatever number it is i don't know if it's hundred thousand i don't know if it's a million whatever it is that bonus would mean a lot to those players so they're playing they're playing for the extra money um mm-hmm. obviously and then they're also playing because they're like hey we're without Shea. We're playing against, you know, a powerhouse team. Well, I don't know if uh, I don't know if all the teams around the league look at the Warriors as a powerhouse team right now. But we're playing we're playing the Warriors, and you know, what better way to make a statement than to beat the Warriors? And then right. the Warriors, like honestly, I don't like I don't think they took it as seriously. But then at the same time, like when the other team is like hella trying to win it mm-hmm. only kicks your natural competitiveness mm-hmm. into yeah. gear mm-hmm. and makes you want to win because you're like nah y'all ain't gonna win <laughs> y'all, y'all ain't gonna beat right. me <laughs> right um, right exactly so i so i think i think the in-season tournament made that game in particular a bit more competitive um but then as far as the as far as the other games i don't i don't really know i don't we really won't know until we get to like the the championship the set the semifinals in the, in the mm. final round um yes. because that's gonna show like how much those teams and those players want it mm-hmm. um but i was saying i was saying you know a couple weeks ago when i was talking to some of my boys the the in-season tournament is really just it's mainly for those young teams like your OKC's your San Antonio's your Orlando's because those guys are on the are on their rookie contracts and they're mm. trying to get more money right right I'm not sure how they can make it so that the stars like really really want to like get up for those games yeah I mean I, I still I still I, I still not really warming up to the idea of this in-season turning I mean, I get it. It's it's new. Um, it's supposed to increase the level of competition, which I think that's that's what Adam Silver intended it to be. But I'm like, mm-hmm. what's the incentive? Right. Like, you know, if if you know you were playing for like a playoff bid or playing spot or you know some type of incentive, you know, then maybe you would see, um, you know everybody buying and i'm not and i'm not saying like players aren't buy, bought in but it's just like i i get there's a collective sense that it feels like this this is a waste like what are we doing this for like is, is this is this a way to increase ratings because i don't really think that the nfl struggles in that aspect i think know? i think no i think part of it or is, nba excuse me i said yeah. nfl nba i think i think part of it is to to reduce the amount of rest mm. because you ha- they have something to play for. I can I can see <clears throat> that. 
I can see that. That's actually a good point. I can definitely but, see um, that. But at the same time, like like I was mentioning earlier, so I know I know part of it is that you know players get um, a bonus, an added bonus, and from mm-hmm. what I heard, it's a it's about the same the same amount as a playoff check. Mm. But then, um, either way, with the way the contracts in the NBA are it's different from the WNBA because the WNBA contracts are so much lower than adding a hundred thousand to their contract or adding a hundred thousand bonus to a WNBA contract is a lot. Adding a hundred thousand to an NBA contract, not that much. Yeah. I mean, unless that's true, unless you're like an undrafted free agent. Yeah, that exactly. Is, that just signed for like a hundred thousand. Mm, 200,000 yeah. whatever um and then or like a mid-level mid-level exception guy that because mm. of the new rule had to sign for the minimum right exactly. so so those are those are the those are the players that it really matters to i don't know if it really really affects like your kds your lebrons mm. your your stephs the people that are making hella more hella more money and are carrying the game in terms of ratings Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, no, I agree, man. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know, I don't know how they're gonna, how they're gonna get that. I mean, I know they do, they do all these interviews with all the stars and all the all stars mm-hmm. and superstars, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh yeah, I think it's gonna be great. I think it's gonna be do, I think it's gonna do this and that. But if you actually listen to those interviews, yeah. like you can tell it's forced. Yeah. Oh, hundred like, percent. <laughs> they're just <laughs> saying that so they don't get on. fined. Exactly. So it's like, come on now. <laughs> but we'll see how, we'll see how it turns out i think we'll see i think i mean it, it really only adds one extra game and only to the te- to the two teams that are in the final round mm-hmm. um so it's not like you're adding a whole bunch of extra games but i mean maybe it makes at least those like three those three games the semifinals and the final game more Maybe it brings more viewers than, you know, a typical January, Tuesday, January game would yeah. on any, any other season. Yeah, I mean, we'll, 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 we'll see how it plays out. Me personally, I don't think, uh, I have my doubts that this in-season tourney is going to be a sustainable thing. I, I definitely think it might, might get scrapped, um, but that's just me. They'll do it for a couple of years and then they'll yeah. revert back. Just like the All Star game, like right? For the first two, the first two, uh, the first two years where the captains pick, you know, mm. it was cool. Then yeah. all of a sudden, it got it got boring, and they're like, okay, we're gonna do a live pick, you know, live mm. team picking, and then that was just a shit show. <laughs> yeah. And then now all of a sudden they're like they're scrapping yeah. and they're going back to the East West format, which 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 I love by the way. I think oh, that's yeah. gonna be dope. For sure, I think it's gonna be dope too. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll know. I th- I think it's gonna be the same with the in season tournament. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they're gonna try it out for a couple of years, and then eventually they're just gonna scrap it because it's not bringing in the ratings, it's not bringing in the money that. Right. You know what I think they should do is they should maybe if they had like, and this won't even this won't even move the needle that much, but maybe if they had specific uniforms for those games. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the in-season yeah. tournament 
mm. you know, for those whatever six, seven, eight games or whatever right. specific uniforms for those games. That way you could increase those jersey sales. Yeah. And just make it, you know. Speaking of jerseys and uniforms, oh my god. <laughs> the the new city edition. I'm not talking about yeah. specific team. I'm not talking about you know specifically the Warriors or specifically the Lakers. Mm. I'm talking yeah. about across the league because some of them mm. some of them are pretty legit. Mm. Across the league, yeah, it seems like Nike just got super lazy. Yeah, with their with their designs. With the design yeah, they, I would agree. When I saw the Lakers cities uh, city edition jer- jerseys, I was like, eh, I mean, it's cool. It didn't, it didn't really move me. It didn't mean like, oh my God, where's my card? I got to get it right now. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it just looked, I don't know, bro. It just looked kind of basic. Like the only really city edition jersey that I really liked was the Pelicans. Because they had the play on the, the uh, you know, the the voodoo, you know, with the mm-hmm. bright lime green, slime green colors. And yeah. that that colorway was, that. I'm not going to lie, that was, that was nice. But yeah, to your point, like the Lakers with the way that they have Los Angeles on it, I mean, I, I, I didn't really care for it too much. Bro, bro, the Nets jerseys look like look like a little kid just straight up like was writing was like drawing Mikel Bridges or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they tried to like the Nets, the Nets jersey is horrible. Um, the Bulls jersey is like really university yeah. font. With any, <laughs> anyways, and then, so the Warriors jerseys, I like the color scheme. Um, the font of the number because it's shadowed looks a little Looney Tune ish to me. <laughs> and the, but then the the whole cable car thing I'm like alright all right, that's cool but then like I just didn't I don't know I'm not a I like the jerseys but I'm not gonna go out and like buy one right I'm with you like I'll, I'll admire them from afar yeah <laughs> I think I think they should have kept the uh, I think they should have kept the gold rose ones from last year that Allison mm. uh, shout out to human uh, that yeah. she that she designed. Um, yeah, those I think were they dope. Those. I think should, yeah. they should have kept those at least a one at least one more year. Yeah, those were dope. Um, yeah, and then I think that's what they should do with all the uniforms across the league. Is just find a local artist mm-hmm. and have them design it. Have yeah, them design be, the yeah, uniforms. That'd be a great idea to fit the city. Right. I think I think that would be I think that would be the best, and now yeah. like you're involving the community mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. So I think I yep. think that's I think that's something that Nike should look into. Uh, yeah, far as I like that a lot. That's a dope concept, bro. Yeah, it's a dope concept. You got anything else you want to hit on? Nope, but they need to hire my boy E for PR consultant because he's dropping dimes <laughs> on this on this on this fine Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> right on bro. all right and that's all the time we got for today thank you for tuning into this episode of the killer crossover podcast you can find us on instagram at the killer crossover podcast and i'm not even gonna promote twitter anymore because that's some bullshit so um you can find me on instagram at emancoa um I'm a, I'm a public profile on there so i'm not a public figure i'm just my pro my profile is public so it's emancoa e-m-a-n-k-o-a and mo I mean, I'm still on Twitter, 
I don't know no X. We don't call it X. <laughs> I call it Twitter. So you can still find me on there. Your boy Mo 87. You know, my personal Instagram page is private because I don't want y'all in my business. But you know, you got y'all can still DM the podcast page, which is public. Yes, sir. And let us know if y'all want to be a guest on future episodes. Yeah, we up. All right, and we are out. Peace. Happy Saturday. Have a great weekend, y'all.